Welcome to episode 211 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is special guest host, Sarah Kaiser, artist, maker, and product designer at Involution Studios. Welcome, Sarah. Hello, John. So for our podcast topic this week, we're going to take a look at the world of sleep, sleep technology, and how it all relates to creativity. So sleep is this new frontier for a, a new realm of interest for technology. So in, in 2013, I think there was the Zio sleep monitor. I don't know if you remember that, but I think they, they had a headband you could wear on your head and sort of tell whether you were uh, getting the right amount of sleep or not. And then recently, Apple bought this Finnish company called Bedit, which more or less does the same, same type of thing, monitoring your sleep, but they have some kind of flat strap piece that goes under your bed clothes, goes right on top of the mattress and can kind of it's tell like a you. a flat little snake. Yeah, something, yeah. something like that. Uh, although they probably wouldn't want to, you wouldn't sleep if you thought it was a, a snake under your, uh, under your sheets. The sheet snake. So, so monitoring sleep is uh, a hot ticket right now, especially you know if, if Apple's getting in the game. But I, I think there's, it's an interesting thing to be optimizing because we spend a third of our lives, you know, basically in sleep and dream world. And I think for creatives, that's that's very important. So, I found a, a wonderful essay on. Uh, Aeon magazine, which really frames up this discussion of sleep and creativity and technology in a nice way. So I'm going to play us that first quote from the essay and, and we'll see what we think. The Romans, Greeks and Incas woke up without iPhone alarms or digital radio clocks. Nature was their timekeeper. The rise of the sun, the dawn chorus, the needs of the field or livestock. Sundials and hourglasses recorded the passage of time until the 14th century, when the first mechanical clocks were erected on churches and monasteries. By the 1800s, mechanical timepieces were widely worn on neck chains, wrists or lapels. Appointments could be made and meal or bedtime set. Societies built around industrialization and clock time brought with them urgency and the concept of being on time or having wasted time. Clock time became increasingly out of sync with natural time, yet light and dark still dictated our working day and social structures. So I think that quote really touches on how human life has changed based on the technologies that we're uh, that we live with. So obviously, the electric light was was a huge point of of differentiation between you know the time before electric light when the natural sunlight was dictating your day to now now we have electric lights uh, and so now our days are uh, unlimited you know we we can we can do work at any time we can socialize at any time we can go out at any time um, and that's I think a little bit dangerous right because we're we're human animals right like we we, we have circadian rhythms we have a relationship to to life that you know goes beyond our technology, but sometimes we we take that for granted. So we've got these iPhones, and we've got our computer monitors, and uh, all of these things make it really difficult for us to sleep. Sarah, how how do you sort of manage 
all the technology and and does it affect the way you you know the way your your sleep cycle runs i mean what's your relationship between sleep and technology and how does this all intersect for you as as a creative uh, well that's a big question uh, and i think you know as a creative uh, a lot of things have changed over the years but creatives are still eccentric and each one is going to be a little weird and unique in their sleep pattern uh, i don't really differ too much from that prototype uh, most of the time, I'm kind of a night owl. You probably hear that pretty often with creatives. Uh, you know, we've all grown up in a time of synthetic light kind of dominating our lives. So we make and set our own time schedules independent from whatever is going on around us. And if for whatever reason, it seems like a lot of us tend to be nocturnal in our activities. I choose to be nocturnal, or rather I have found myself in such a position simply because in the evenings I have time to focus. I don't have kids. I don't have any sort of clubs that I need to attend to. Um, I have partitioned off my evenings intentionally because I have set barriers with my electronics, my chat, my work, that there's a certain time when I put down my phone and I pick up my stylus and I keep drawing until I'm near unconscious. <laughs> and so to that end, uh, the way I sleep and the way I work is as little as possible and as much as possible. I will generally work until it's uh, pretty late at night, and as soon as I feel like I'm starting to slip and I'm doing uh, myself, I'm making more work for myself the next day, I will cease and go to sleep to wake up and do the same thing again. So you find your the evenings are the best time for your your creative flow. So that's that maps best to to when you can produce things that are are worthy. I think so, but I also think that's mostly from habit. Um, there have been times in my life when kind of the middle of the day was, and it wasn't that it felt right or natural. That was just the time that my mom allowed me to be on a computer. And, you know, it was lights out after a certain time. And so I got used to working midday. And then I went to college and midday was relegated to classes and work. And evenings became the time when I had free time. And now as a working professional, um, you know, my days are spoken for. My evenings are generally given over to social time. And then the nights are purely mine. And so out of habit, I've developed a rhythm where I will intentionally teach myself and train myself to work uninterrupted uh, from the time I start to the time I end. Um, and I incentivize this through uh, micro rewards. You know, I'll, I'll allow myself dinner if I reach to a certain point. I'll promise myself coffee in the morning if I work to a certain hour, that kind of thing. Wow. Um, I mean, it seems like you're you know, optimizing your routine and, and your uh, sleeping patterns, and you have you have a system for that. How how do you take the optimization of sleep push that we see here with all this uh, with all this sleep technology? Whether it's the aforementioned Zio, which you know has since uh, uh, ceased production, or or this new uh, Bedit system that that Apple is. Uh, sensibly gonna gonna roll out with their platform. How does that approach to sleep uh, strike you? I'm actually kind of put off by a lot of that sort of gadgetry. I, I touch gadgets occasionally, like I'm interested in the smartwatches they have for monitoring BP and 
um, various heart rate stuff and uh, steps and all that. You know, I'm, I'm a millennial, right? Uh, taking metrics of every aspect of my life is as natural to me as breathing. You know, I can't go out and get a burrito without doing two hours of research. But somehow for me, as a creative, sleep is kind of a touchy subject. I'm getting less and less of it. Society demands that I get less and less of it to be successful. And, you know, there's so much that I think we've given up in the way of, you know, time to ourselves, time to relax, time to think and read and daydream and do nothing. And the one set of my day, the one section of my day where I am not doing anything weird to my body is probably the time when I'm sleeping. And so if I can keep that as unharassed as possible right. um, with optimization and like maximizing my REM sleep and all this other nonsense that I'm sure works great for some people, I would really just rather be left alone uh, for just, you know, at least five hours of my day. I just want to be unconnected, sleep, sleep poorly, sleep well, um, because there are some things that your body can tell you that you can't always guess with math. And generally, if I wake up and I'm feeling well-rested all by myself and I wake up on time, I wake up before a certain hour, I know I've been taking good care of my body. And if I sleep up and I'm not well-rested and, you know, there's just like I had some bad dreams or I feel headachey or hungover, I know I should be listening to my body more. And I don't want to get to a point where I'm trusting my phone more than how I feel. Right. That seems wise to me. I've got a, another quote here just about sleep and the creative process that I, I think might be enlightening. In his 2013 book, Daily Rituals, How Artists Work, Mason Curry describes the routines of famous writers and artists, many of whom are early risers, and several segmented sleepers. Curry found that many hit on the pattern of segmented sleep by accident. The architect Frank Lloyd Wright, for instance, would wake around 4am, unable to fall back to sleep so he would work for three or four hours, then take a nap. The Nobel Prize-winning novelist Nut Hamsen would often wake after sleeping for a couple of hours, so he kept a pencil and paper by his bed and would, he said, start writing immediately in the dark if I feel something is streaming through me. The psychologist B.F. Skinner kept a clipboard, paper and pencil by his bed to work during periods of night wakefulness. And the author Marilyn Robinson regularly woke to read or write during what she called her benevolent insomnia. So I love that example of the writer with the notebook by the bed um, <clears throat> because I can relate to that. Uh, as soon as I think it's time to, you know, to go to sleep, um, I immediately sort of start relaxing. And uh, the thoughts that enter my head at that point seem extremely valuable. So I assess their, their worth. And then if if I'm particularly infatuated with, with a particular idea, I'm like, oh, you better get up, go to the kitchen, grab a, a notepad, uh, and, <clears throat> and write these ideas down because you're going to lose them. Uh, occasionally, I'll, I'll take out the iPhone and, and tap up a, a note. But more often than not, I, you know, I seek the physical connection of actually writing something down on a, on a piece of paper. But there is something magical, I think, in terms of that, you know, semi-conscious state that you enter uh, just as you're uh, going to sleep, uh, where your, your mind, where, what, whatever the 
constructs of the day, you know, the waking day have on, on your thought patterns, those are slowly melting away and the ideas just start bumping into each other or however, you know, you want to explain it. I like this idea, which was talked about in the, in the Aeon essay about split sleep. So sort of getting up, you know, maybe in the middle of the night sometime and doing some creative work then uh, and then going back to sleep afterwards. So it sounds to me like that habit was probably something that creative people could do more readily when uh, maybe they, they weren't subject to the, to the rigors of, you know, nine to five work driven by uh, electric lighting and industrialization and, you know, information technology. Uh, but that appeals to me because I know that, you know, when I wake up in the morning, for instance, I have a ton of writing energy. I've got about an hour where I can produce some really good stuff. And I probably produce at maybe five times the rate that I do uh, at another time of day. So if I get up in the morning, I can bang out prose really quickly. Um, if I try to do that later in the day, I mean, for whatever reason, the sentences just come really slowly and I, I can't write as quickly. So, Sarah, we, we talked a little bit about the relationship for you between sleep uh, and technology, um, but we only slightly touched on your creative routines. How do you approach, you know, your cycle of the day as, as a creative person? Sure. It's uh, regimented. I uh, kind of cut my teeth being a responsible human being, ROTC, <laughs> the Reserve Officer Training Corps. So I have gotten used to having a timetable and sticking to it. So unlike you, I, I don't have much juice in the morning. I really just kind of will get up at a certain time. I get up at 7 every morning. That's the hour that I allow to myself. And I will spend that catching up on news, relaxing, seeing how my friends are doing, and then I will get into work. I'll do what I need to do for the day. I will, uh, you know, I will reward myself if I get in before a certain hour and then uh, do whatever I need to do, get home. Um, and that's really when I start my work day. I don't make dinner right away. I don't watch TV. I get in, I cut all communication. And this is generally around like 6.30, 7 o'clock. Um, I'll start a warm-up. So some background, my own creative endeavors are generally aligned to comics. So I draw a webcomic, draw every week. Um, I do a little commission work on the side. And so most of my work on the side is illustration. And I will take about an hour to get warmed up. You know, I'll work on whatever I'm working on that day. I'll work on the easy parts that I know are no-brainer about an hour in, I'm loose enough that I can tackle more challenging problems. And I will go until I reach a certain part that I had decided on the past day. I'll reward myself with a light dinner. <laughs> and then I'll get right back to it. Generally, I'll put on something in the background that's boring, like a, some sort of documentary or a sitcom that I don't really care about. And then I will continue to work until about 12 o'clock at night, 1 a.m and then I'll go to sleep. And when I hit the bed, I am so dog tired, I pass out within five minutes every time. I wow. don't remember anything from hitting the bed to falling asleep. I don't write anything down. I know people who do. I think I'm an outlier um, because I don't wheel spin. If I do, I pick a number and then I count up until I fall asleep. 
and then I wake up next morning and same thing. Weekends, wake up at seven, I sit down, immediately start working, and then will reward myself with meals or social stuff when I hit certain goal posts and continue that until about 1 a.m. Yeah, something I've noticed with uh, you know productive, creative folks is that they are very disciplined, you know, the way you, you uh, describe. I mean, for, for me, it's, at least from a writing perspective, it's all about getting in that uh, hour in the morning, uh, that sacred hour of just, you know, when, when I have my highest amount of energy. Mm. Uh, well, you're also, you, you have to balance a lot of chaos at home, don't you? Sure. Yeah, I have I have two young ones, so uh, so those guys definitely keep me hopping. Yeah. So my I'm kind of allowed the free reign to kind of choose my own timetable, and so that's probably why I've fallen into the evening. Um, my girlfriend also works in the morning, so she'll wake up every morning. My clockwork. She's up at six a.m. and she'll just do two hours of illustration before she even goes to work. I'm so impressed. I can't do the same thing. But whenever she gets home, she's used to doing that in the morning. So she has a hard time getting going in the evening. And she'll kind of leave that to games and getting her social time in. Have you done this split sleep thing? Or, or could you see yourself doing that? I mean, I, obviously, it's, it's a little bit hard uh, given that you have a day job. Um, and, you know, the modern uh, sort of day-to-day routines don't seem like they would support yeah, uh, doing that. But like when you were in school, did you ever do anything like that? Uh, no, I, I never did. Even when I was in college, I was probably sleeping less than I do right now. I just could never get into that routine. Naps have always thrown off my circadian rhythm. They make me feel kind of sick and groggy. And there's another hour of like warming up before I feel like a human again. And so I try and cut as much time like that out of my day. But one thing I noticed from that list is none of those people who I recognized were from the generation where we had to take our work home with us mm-hmm. and our phones with us. And we were essentially always on as a workforce. And so I think that might be one of those differences is that whenever you don't, you're kind of given leave to develop those sort of split sleep cycles and do whatever it is that you want to do at night because you don't necessarily have to be awake and alert during your evenings, so. Yeah, I had an interesting experience. I worked on a, a literary magazine uh, my first year out of school, and my editor actually did this, the mm-hmm. split sleep, uh, because he wanted to get two days into one. Like, he felt like when he got up from being rested, he uh, was a lot more productive. So he tried to split his day into two days. So I think he would uh, go to sleep really early, like seven o'clock or something, and then be up at midnight and then mm-hmm. be working and then, you know, hit the hit the sheets at like, you know, whatever time, six, six uh, in the morning or something like that and sleep again. But he was an, he was an interesting guy to work yeah. for. Yeah, uh, you don't hear much about people doing that these days. I, I can't say I have any friends who I know who've openly admitted that. In fact, if I knew a roommate was doing that, I'd probably be a little worried about them. And I had a, an experience when I was uh, a working musician as well, and I'd work at, you know, I'd be out at a gig or whatever, and I'd come back and would be, uh, I don't know, I'd be going to bed at 4 or 5 uh, in the morning anyway. So I was really sleeping... Uh, for a few hours until, you know, the afternoon time, and then I could get some work in, 
Uh, and then maybe I'd take a little nap before going to the next gig. So so I don't know. That's more like napping, not yeah. really a split sleep cycle. But because my cycle was so far off, it was conducive to me at least trying to get a little bit more sleep uh, during the day to supplement. See, that's pretty familiar, though, that as a sleep cycle for a musician, right? That wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't know how your wife would feel about you trying to do something like that now. No, that wouldn't fly. No, I don't think so. But, I mean, you also hear about micronaps, right? The people who take, like, six half-hour sleeps a day, and they train themselves to immediately fall into REM and then get back out of that. You know, to each their own, right, at the end of the day. But I feel like as a quintessential part of being a human being, part of that, for me, a joy is powering off for five hours every day. And to have that is my one sacred time to be a weird little meat bag that needs to sleep. <laughs> well said, Sarah. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett, that's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-B-O dot com. Sarah, if people want to reach you outside of the show, how would they do that? Uh, KaiserMakes.com is a pretty good resource for that. It's kind of the intersection of all the weird stuff I make and do. Excellent. So that's it for episode 211 of The Digital Life. For Sarah Kaiser, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>